Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. We're here. Let's get started. So welcome to you. If you're new here and if you're a guest here amongst us, it's really good to have you amongst us. Welcome to Freedom Church. Welcome to those listening online to our podcast. It's always good to have you with us. Today, we're starting a new series. Woo! Thank you for that enthusiasm. We're starting a new series um, called Living the Dream. And it's all about the story of the Bible character known as Joseph. Let's have a look at this little video to get you into the routine of it. May I return to the beginning. The light is dimming. Can sway if you want to. No cigarette the world and I. We are still waiting, still hesitating. Any dream will do. We'll leave it there before you get too carried away. I think that must be the auditions for who's got the most cutest child to put onto the TV screen. Um, talking about cute children, my daughter Mimi, she was in a performance of Joseph and the Telecolor Dream Coach a couple of years ago at Coopenham Junior School there. And I, I want to talk today about the story of Joseph. And we're going to be looking through the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37. We're going to get your Bibles open onto that chapter. We're going to do the whole chapter today. We're not going to read it out. Some parts we will do. But I want to say today, right at the beginning, that I believe that God has a dream for your life. God has a dream for your life. He has, a, he has a picture for you. He has a plan for you. He has something which he has envisioned of what your future looks like. And you may not see it, you may not sense it, you might feel it, but I believe that God has a dream for you. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. God's got something great in store for his people. And God has something great in store for this person called Joseph. It isn't very obvious at the beginning, but by the end, we'll get there. We'll see what God's going to do for the life of Joseph. And God has got a plan for your life. God is going to do something in your life. And he's already started to drop dreams into your thinking. I don't know if you even have a dream. Or whether it seems mysterious and mystique. Or whether it's something you live every day speaking out a dream you're believing for. But I believe God has got a dream for your life. And when we have the story of Joseph, it's helpful to know his backstory. Because Joseph was like part of, of kind of Jewish royalty. So so Joseph's great-granddaddy was Abraham. And Abraham was called the father of many nations. That God spoke to Abraham in his old age that you're going to have as many children and children's children and and, and descendants as there are sand on the seashore or stars in the sky. And he gave that word and and Abraham then had, in his old age, had a son called Isaac. And Isaac had two kids, twins, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, Esau was the firstborn, but Jacob stole the birthright of Esau. And he became the the next in line for all that Isaac had. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were known as the patriarchs of the Jewish nation. The fathers, the daddies of the the, uh, people of Israel. And so Joseph was born into that lineage, into that that dynasty. He had this incredible heritage. But Joseph, we read this in verse... Two, um, when Joseph was 17 years old, he's a teenager, 
He often tended his father's flocks. They looked after the sheep. That was their work. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Anyone else had a sibling that used to tell tales? And used to tell about the bad things. Mom, Dad, so-and-so is doing this. And Joseph was that annoying teenager. Dad, Reuben's going to do it again. He's going to punch Levi. Dad. And he had those kind of stories. He was a tell-tale. Joseph was annoying to his brothers. He was a precocious teenager. He was proud. He was full of himself. He thought he was the answer to everyone's needs. And he had no time for other people. Joseph was arrogant. And maybe you're thinking about someone you know or a friend you've got or a teenager maybe you're aware of that has that kind of almost that edge to them. And Joseph was that person. Joseph didn't have a lot going for him in some respects. You know, Joseph's dad um, was known as the deceiver. The, the word Jacob means deceiver because he deceived his father Isaac. And he was brought up in this family of 12 sons. And in that family, the, Joseph was one of the sons, but he was known as a special one. Jacob thought more highly of him and he was arrogant and he had this background story that wasn't always great his mum died when he was a lot younger he was probably about 12 years old when his mum died because she was she died giving birth to his youngest brother Benjamin and in that moment you've got this person Joseph why would God entrust a big dream to somebody who had nothing going for him but I want to say this morning that your past does not disqualify you from dreaming big dreams I don't know what you're sitting here with this morning, what your experiences are, what your background is, what your disappointments might be, but your dreams are not limited by your disappointments. God has something big for each one of us. The whole point of dreams is they, they point it towards something which is beyond the natural. It's beyond what you think is possible. Because if it's something you can achieve, it's not a dream, it's just an action. God gives you dreams that stretch your thinking. And in this story of Joseph, God... Um, Says, says that your past does not disqualify you from having big dreams. It doesn't affect the size of your dreams. God doesn't say, well, I'll just kind of reduce your dream down because you've been a bad boy or a bad girl. He goes, no, I've got something bigger for you. And he gave Joseph a dream which was much bigger than he deserved. And many people would say, I don't think Joseph was ready for that dream. I don't think he deserved that dream. But God says, your past does not disqualify you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone. The new has come. You're a new creation. The day you say yes to following Jesus, and if you're sitting here today, you've never said yes to following Jesus, that is how things change. You suddenly can turn a page and go, you know what, I'm saying goodbye to the old and hello to the new. And Joseph may have got a bad past and a disappointing behavior and his attitude, maybe it stank, but God went, I can use you. And it starts with a dream. It starts with a dream. Verse 3 in chapter 37, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. He was daddy's favorite. Dad's favorite. And because Joseph had been born in his old age, he loved him all the more. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Now can I just debunk a bunch of myths? Is that all right? The Bible never mentions technicolor dream coats. It's not in the Bible. It's in Andrew Lloyd Webber's head. All right, There is no mention in the Bible of fluorescent colored coats. I can't recite all the colors that there are in the musical song. Uh, my daughter used to be able to do so. But there is there's like this idea, this brightly colored, illuminated coat that he wore. It's not true. 
really sorry if that wrecks your whole, you know, children's Bible stories from years gone by. Joseph had a special coat, that's true. The Bible is very clear that it was probably ornate. It was probably a bit different to maybe his brothers and what they had. In fact, some uh, theologians believe that actually what it was, it was just simply a coat with long arms. Uh, That doesn't sound very grand, does it? But apparently that denoted something. So the the thing would be, if you were a worker, you would have a coat without any arms, without any sleeves, because you actually had to work, get into the fields and and participate and work hard. And so you would have a, a, a coat that wouldn't stop you from working. But if you had a coat with long arms, it was like, I don't need to do any work. I'm special. It's like having a suit to work rather than overalls. Blue collar, white collar, that kind of, you can almost imagine it. And that when Joseph was given this special coat by Jacob, what Jacob was saying was, this son is a bit above the rest of you. He's a different character to what you're like. And they hated him. His brothers said they hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. They had no time for Joseph at all. And then Joseph makes it worse. What is it about people who are annoying? That they have this ability to make it even worse. It's like they pour petrol. You know, you've got a friend in the office. It's always like a bit, oh, it's so annoying. And then they add something on which goes, wow, you just made it 10 times worse. It's an amazing skill that some of us have to make what's bad become even worse. And Joseph does this really well. Joseph has a dream. That's fine. He then decides to share the dream with all of his brothers which isn't so bad, but the fact is they are in the dream and it doesn't look good for them. And so he shares the dream and it goes like this in verse 6. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Joseph's brothers were so annoyed by Joseph that they were distracted from what God was calling them to do with their lives. You can easily get distracted from dreaming the dream that God's got for you. You can easily get distracted from what God's calling you into. Why? Because other people around you. And you can look to the right and say, I wish I was doing what they were doing. I wish I had the dream they had. And it's easily done these days. You go on social media, you go onto your, you know, your, your Facebook or whatever it is you use, and you, and you can see other people doing great things. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that experience. I wish I had that achievement. I wish I was able to have that dream. But we get distracted from other people and looking at their dreams. And God isn't interested in you chasing someone else's dream. He wants you to chase the dream that he's given to you. What is it that God has placed within you? What is the dream that you should be looking after? What is the part that you get to play? Keep your eyes on Jesus. I think that the verse that we heard, or the the word we heard just now from Natasha, talking about how we must stay focused on him, is so true in this point here. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. When we get jealous, it takes our eyes off Jesus, and we start to look at other people. And God doesn't want us to copy other people. There's some great people in our world. But he wants us to follow him, to follow his ways, to follow his dreams that he's placed in our hearts. When we are jealous and we look at other people, it limits our ability to see. It casts a shadow. It restricts our vision because we're so busy looking sideways, we're not looking forwards. 
And we need to be people who are persistent in making sure we don't get distracted from dreaming the God dreams. When you're jealous of others, you will only ever see their dreams. You'll never see your dreams. And you'll watch as other people's dreams come reality. You think, oh, I wish I had that dream. And God's going, I've got you a dream. And maybe you think, oh, but I want something bigger, better. Just, just follow your dream. Do what God's called you to do. Then Joseph makes it worse again. He has another dream and has not learned his lesson. He decides, I know what I'll do. It went down so badly last time, I'll share it again. And I'll make it even worse. I'll include my mum and dad in the story. So he has another dream. And again, he tells his brothers about it. Listen, I have another dream. I mean, you can imagine the brothers' faces just falling up. Seriously, Joseph, we didn't like the last one. Why would this be any better? He said, the sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed low before me. You're like 11 stars, the suns, the sun and moon um, would be like mum and dad. And his father says to him, what kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? This is a really important verse, verse 11. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. I mean, his dad was a bit disappointed, but he was just thinking, what's going on here? How does that work? And whether that's a, a statement about age and maturity, or whether it's a fact that jo, uh, Jacob was just curious. Because sometimes we can get cynical rather than curious. And I want to say this morning, we must stay curious about what God is doing about what dream he's given to you. Curiosity means we discover, we look, we, we try and unearth, we, we find out new things. Cynical stops the conversation. When people get cynical, they stop dreaming. It can't be done. It's not possible. It will never happen. Those kind of things can just stop you dead in your tracks of the path that God set out in front of you. And I encourage you today to be people that get curious. Don't get cynical. And maybe you've been in church for a while and you think, you know what, I've seen, I've seen it all before. I've heard it all before. I've been there before. I've experienced it all before and it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. As soon as you get cynical, you stop the conversation. It stops. It ceases. It comes to an end. Curiosity continues the conversation. How could this look? How could this be? You look throughout Scripture. What did Mary say when, when she has her dream? How can this be unto me? But if it is, then so be it. Stay curious. When we get cynical, we close things down. Proverbs 15, an intelligent person is always eager to take in more truth. From the message version, fools feed on fast food fads and fancies. I'm sure Eugene Peterson had fun writing that line. Fools feed on fast food fads and fancies. If you want to be someone who has once been an intelligent follower of God, keep discovering more truth. Keep staying curious. Never get cynical. I had a situation a few weeks ago, I was um, leading the event at Spring Harvest. It was a final evening, and we had three or 4,000 people there. It was a great evening, and we were seeing God move in powerful ways. People being filled with the Holy Spirit. People were speaking in tongues the first time. It was wonderful. And at the end of the meeting, um, three, probably teenagers, maybe early 20s, came to see me. And one of them, I remember, he had his Bible in his hand, and his knuckles were white because he was gripping it extra hard. And they came to me and said, we're really quite uncomfortable with what we've been experiencing tonight. I said, well, why is that? I said, we, we, we never mention spiritual gifts in our church back home. 
We don't talk about that. We have no one speaks in tongues. I'm not even sure it's even true. And there's something we should even experience. And they pointed out some scriptures and they showed me some stuff that they really felt told a different story. And we were able to talk it through. And I love the fact that even though they were feeling slightly offended, they wanted to come and ask questions. And I said this line to them. I said, I said stay curious. Don't ever get cynical. And maybe you've experienced things in life. You go, you know what, I've had that experience. It doesn't work. And to protect yourself, we get cynical. But I would encourage us to be like Jacob was. He just pondered. Mary, you know, when she heard the words, she pondered. She held it in her heart. And I want to encourage you, maybe you don't agree with this idea of having a dream. Don't be cynical. Just be curious. What would a dream look like? How can I discover the dream you've got for my life? I wonder how I could unpack that. Find some people to speak to. Dream of something which seems like impossible to you. You know, as Freedom Church here, we are looking forward to having our own building. It's an impossible dream. And some people in this church have been dreaming that dream for 30 or 40 years. And maybe some people are going, you know what, it will never happen. I've had that people say to me, it won't happen. I know, I know you've got these ideas, but you know, it won't happen. And I'm like going, I'm, I'm just not going to stop. I'm believing for something greater. And that means we be curious. You know what, maybe there isn't, that's not how we can do it. We'll find the new way of doing it. We've got this piece of land. We're going to find the money. We're going to pay for this land. How are we going to do that? I don't know. We'll keep on trying. We'll keep on pushing. We'll keep on asking God because there's a dream. And the dream requires us to stay curious and faithful to the dream and never single go, ah, oh, it won't happen. How many stories throughout history would have stopped if the people who owned those dreams got cynical and brought them to an end? Let's stay curious. So here we have Joseph with his brothers annoyed with him. We've got his, his dad who is pondering the dream. And, and, and surround yourselves with people who love curiosity. Don't surround yourself with cynics. Cynics will kill your dreams. And if people start to kill your dreams, find people who will bring life to your dreams. Who will go, wow, not how. They go, wow, that's amazing. I can't wait to see that happen. Not really. That'll never work out. Find yourself and surround yourself with people who believe in the dream that God's given to you. So Joseph has this moment where his dad then sends him off on an errand. Uh, we got to verse 13. The brothers have been gone for a while and Jacob says to Joseph, your brothers are passing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I'm going to send you to them. Go see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. Essentially what he's saying, go and inspect your brothers. Go and find them and tell me how they're getting on. Go and tell some more tales. Could you come and tell me what they're up to? Go and be like an offset inspector of your brother's work. And off Joseph trots to go and find his brothers. He goes to Shechem. He ends up then up the valley of Hebron. He ends up in Dotham in verse 17. And then eventually, verse 18, his brothers see him coming towards them. And his brothers hate him so much, they discuss about killing him. Now, I don't know if you've got siblings. And I know siblings can be really annoying. But to get to the point where you're discussing with your brothers or your sisters about killing a sibling, things have gone dramatically wrong, haven't they? They've got to a very bad, bad point when they're starting to go, there comes Joseph. Let's get rid of him once and for all. Unfortunately, some of the brothers talked them around. Reuben, the oldest, got involved. And they said, let's not kill him. Let's just take him and let's just uh, beat him up. And they took his coat off his back and they threw him into a well. 
And then while they were eating, they saw traders coming along the trading path. The trading path went from Gilead up in the north all the way down past the Mediterranean Sea to Egypt. It was known as the, the way of the sea. And they saw these traders on the regular trade route there where they were in Dothan. They saw these traders. And they go, you know, we could just sell Joseph. And they sold their brother into slavery. I mean, selling your brother. They sold their brother into slavery. And they sold him how much? For 20 pieces of silver. There's a number that should ring a few bells in you biblical scholars in the room. He, he, he was sold into slavery. And I can just imagine this moment where Joseph, this young, precocious, 17-year-old, full of a dream from God himself, excited by the future where he was going to stand up tall and his brothers and his family going to bow down to him. He had this moment where it wasn't working. And he's... And he's sold into slavery. His brothers want to kill him. They've told his dad that he's died. They've gone and dipped his coat in blood. And Joseph is going, I'm not seeing the dream becoming a reality. I'm not seeing this happening. I can't see this working. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed, God, but I thought there was a natural trajectory that we would go from, from where I was to where I need to be. But it feels like you've taken me backwards. I feel that like the dream is getting more distant rather than closer. And he's there and he's on his way to slavery and he just had to keep on following the dream. And sometimes your dream doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep following the dream. Keep trusting the giver of the dream. If God has given you a dream, keep trusting him. He says it's not over, it's not over. And you keep on trusting him. And Joseph didn't know that he had 13 years ahead of him where the dream wasn't going to happen, where he was going to be isolated, he was going to be imprisoned, he was going to be enslaved, he was going to be accused of all kinds of things. Joseph had a learning moment of 13 years, but God was going to provide the dream. He just couldn't see it just then. And I want to challenge us today to be people that keep on trusting in the dream giver. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Keep trusting him. When it looks like it's not going to happen, trust him. I remember when I was in my early 20s and God spoke very publicly to me. Uh, I had a prophetic word in front of a large gathering of people, in front of loads of leaders, and I was called into church leadership. I remember the moment really well. I remember where I sat, who I was with, you know, where, the building I was in, and God spoke to me and, and re reminded me that he'd called me into church leadership. And I remember thinking, great, could we have that by tomorrow, God? That would be useful if we could have that within 24 hours, because I like that idea, that God says one thing and it happens the next day. But the truth is that dream, that vision, took many years to see fulfilled. And I remember every time it just wasn't seeming to be working. I said, God, what is going on here? Why is it I'm going backwards, not forwards? Everything I'm trying to do doesn't seem to work. Every time I push a door, the door gets closed. And I remember feeling frustrated. And I remember just having to kind of knuckle down and say, God, I'm called to serve you. Every opportunity I have to lead and to lead and love others, I want to do that and do that well. And I trust you, God, if you've given me this dream, that you will enable that to happen. It won't be for me to fabricate and to create the opportunity. But I trust you, God, that you've got this in your hands. And my job is to serve you every day, looking to you and delight myself in the Lord. And he will give you the delights of your desires of your heart. Keep trusting the dream giver. He doesn't have a time limit on dreams. He doesn't say, actually, you know what? We'll do this for a couple of years. It doesn't work out. I'll shrug my shoulders. He gives you something you can grasp hold of and you can trust him with that. Right at the end of chapter 37, um, 
Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. Joseph had been given a dream. Dreams are a vision for life. Your vision and your dreams provide you something you can grab hold of for your future life. Dreams motivate you. They give you passion. They give you an ability to find direction and purpose. Dreams give life. Dreams give hope. Without a dream, we can meander around. Or in the idea of the vision, where there is no vision, the people perish or cast off restraints. Well, you have no dream. We have no vision. You can just become unfettered. You go, oh, you know what? I don't really mind what I do. I'll just kind of meander. But dreams keep us on track. I'll be called to this. God's got something for me. I'm going to find a focus in how that can happen. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you don't have a dream, but there is a dream for each one of you. And dreams give vision for life. Discover your dream. And sometimes people say to me, I don't know how I'm going to find my dream. I don't know how to get hold of my dream. I don't know whether I've even got a dream. I don't even know I agree with the idea of having a dream, Sim. That's just for Joseph, not for us. I want to tell you, the way to find a dream is this. And I think God places dreams in you. Sometimes they're, more, they're closer than we realize. We think dreams have to be out there somewhere hard to find. I believe God creates uh, within each one of us the dream around our experiences, our passion, and our gifts. Because God wouldn't give you something he wouldn't gift you in, wouldn't give you a passion for, or give you life experience to help shape you in. God gives us a vision and dreams around things he's already desired us and wired us to do. You know, God is not going to say to you, I'm calling you to another nation. You go, I, I hate other countries. God, God loves you and he made you the way he made you. And he's put within you something that really, really fits with who you are. And I always say this to people as well, you know, it, what is the thing that you do that when you're doing it, time disappears? What is the thing that you love doing so much that when you're busy doing it, you look up and go, wow, where did the time go? And that's a real clue of the stuff that you're passionate about. You know, if you're doing something and every two minutes you're looking at the clock going, seriously, are we still going? Is that still going? That's probably not your calling. Find something that you love, your passion, your gifting, your experience. You put those all three things together and go, what is the thing that fits in the middle of those? What's my dream? What's God given to me? There's a famous story about a man in 1961 who started to buy up through a, a, a hidden company, a business company, started buying up large plots of land in Florida. And he started buying these large plots of land, and no one realized who was buying the land. And eventually, when they got all this land and put it all together in a massive plot of land, um, they discovered that the man behind all this land purchase was Walt Disney. And Walt Disney bought this land all around Florida because he had a dream. He had a dream of building Disneyland in Orlando, Florida. And they built this land in the 1960s. They built this, um, this theme park. I'm sure some of you may have been there. And um, they came to the opening ceremony. And by the time of the opening ceremony, Walt Disney had already passed away. And they were there at the opening ceremony. And Walt Disney's brother, Roy, he leaned across to Walt Disney's wife, Lillian. And he said, isn't it a shame that Walt Disney didn't see this? And Lillian's famous reply was, he did. He did. 
That's what dreams do. That's what vision does. It helps us to see something that isn't a reality. We can see something beyond our natural experience. We go, it's not how I'm feeling. It's not how I'm experiencing life right now. But I'm believing that God's given me a dream which is bigger and further away than I can ever imagine. And he is bringing that impossibility into a reality. And he's using us to do so. Walt Disney had a dream. He saw something and it became a reality. God's got dreams in each one of our lives. And the last thing I want to say this morning is any dream won't do. Any dream. Don't just pick up any dream. That will do. What's the dream that God has put in your life? What's the dream that God has given to you? What is the purpose that God has put in your mind, your life, your family, your opportunity? God has uniquely placed you to do something no one else can do. God has given you those experiences. He's given you that passion. He's given you those gifts for a particular reason. What is a unique part that you get to play in God's unfinished story? For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.